Welcome to the First Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tad. If this is your first time listening to the First Time Podcast, it's really, really simple. Either the guest or me or both of us are experiencing something for the first time and we're going to talk about it. And if you listen to the show regularly, you know that I talk about movies about 99% of the time, and this is no exception. But I'm excited because I've sort of been on the receiving end, which is great. I love experiencing new movies. People get excited to introduce me to things, uh, and, and we've been doing that recently. But I am introducing a friend to a movie that I love, and... Um, as you, if you've listened, you know that I've been on a streak and we've been doing pretty good with the guests. So I'm a little nervous today because um, this could be the first one where the guest doesn't love the movie. And that's okay. I want the guest to be honest. So uh, my guest today is a filmmaker and a comedian, Spencer Laux. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So I don't even know where to start with this one, but um, <laughs> you you had a short film in the Snake Alley Festival film, which I, I'm the director of, and we found out we had several mutual friends. Um, I, I honestly didn't know at the time when I took the film that it was even an Iowa film. Uh, it really it really blew me away. Uh, sea Dogs, correct? Yeah, awesome. Thank yeah, you. and w- and when I got it, you know, we we get animations from all over the world. Our festival sort of has is known for some great great animation stuff. And when I got it, and then found out it was local, it's one of those things. It's like that's not just not to say anything bad about Iowa filmmakers, but sometimes you can sort of tell when they're they're made local uh, on you know a much smaller budget and stuff. And sure. your, your film Sea Dogs uh, did not come off as that, so I was sort of taken back when I found out. And then I, I found out that, like I said, we had several mutual friends and I, I found out, you know, we added each other on Facebook, found out you're a comedian. Um, yeah. So you're in the Iowa city area, right? Yes. I live in Iowa city, just right by Carver, even by the basketball place. Awesome. So what's the last year been like as a, as a comedian without any kind of shows? Uh, you know, I didn't mind it as much as a lot of people did. Like, I, it made me realize I don't love stand-up as much as a lot of other stand-ups do. Because um, a lot of people were, like, jonesing super hard to and uh, really wanted to do shows. And people were doing a lot of virtual shows. <clears throat> and I did one or two, but I, I felt weird doing them because it's weird to not have, like, a... <clears throat> like, to do stand-up, like, one of my favorite things about stand-up is is to have the instant reaction from the audience one way or the other whether it's good or bad and with like virtual shows is like you don't i mean sometimes they'll have people that are like that are on there that are like specifically there to be laughers and, and there to be audience members but it's like it's a little different you know and so it was uh but i don't know it was you know it, they've started back up here and um but it was weird because I was running the running a mic here, and I just kind of, uh, I I kind of uh, just was not feeling like going. When things started to reopen, I still felt kind of uncomfortable, and so I, you know, I was running comedy and karaoke and bartending before the pandemic, and and you know, during it when even when stuff back opened back up, I kind of just didn't want to jump back into it, uh, but. Sorry, that was a really long, mostly no. long answer, and I don't even know if I answered the question. But it it was, uh, yeah, it it was interesting not to do it. I think I did a lot of other stuff to fill the the hole. Um, I I'm regretting that phrase of filling the <laughs> hole. Uh, 
but I mean, like, you know, I, I for a while I did, um, I was doing like a running a baseball, uh, show thing where when the bit, cause the baseball season wasn't really happening. So I would like do a Twitch live stream of me watching the computer of, of MLB, <laughs> the show 2020. And I would do it like it was a real game and I would just get drunk and uh call the game as though it were really happening so that certainly was probably uh some sort of you know supplementing my live performance stuff that i that i wasn't doing but i did a lot of write i do a lot of screenwriting and freelance writing so that kind of helped fill that void as well well yeah i remember when you were doing that because um i am am not at all a baseball fan but i am a big uh comedy podcast uh you know, love watching comedy, go seeing comedy. Um, and so I checked it out and I was like, I sent it to my friends who actually are um, fans of both baseball and comedy. I was like, you have to check out what my friend uh, Spencer's doing. This is such a strange concept, but it actually works. And uh, yeah, I sent it out to my friend John in San Diego, who's a huge Cubs fan. And he just yeah. loved the idea. And you know, I find it kind of relatable what you're saying, because, um, you know, I program films at a theater and run a film festival and when that completely stopped because of a pandemic uh i was sort of forced to take some downtime and that's where this mm -hmm. podcast sort of came about was like oh no i have to sit with my thoughts for a second <laughs> at home and it's like what am i going to do besides watch movies well i can't just watch movies i have to have a purpose and it almost makes like watching movies feel like you know well i've, I've i have to you know, it's like it's part of my homework almost like it's part of the show. But um, I having a forced break was sort of nice. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. And, it, and and what sucked about, at least for me, is like uh, you talk, talk about festivals is like we, we you know, Sea Dogs, we only entered it. I only entered it in like probably somewhere between 10 to 15 festivals because I really didn't know how many I should and I didn't know I, and so and, and a lot of them were just around in the mid like half of them were ones I could drive to mm -hmm. you know what I mean right uh and 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 you know so we went to you know uh, to yours you know Snake Alley uh, and we went to and the Dubuque one and we went to St. Louis and I was and it and they were all all of them were a lot of fun and it was one of those things where I was like man uh because you know then in 2020 I was like I would have liked to have gone to all these things and like, and you know, I met, I met cool people at all of them and I wanted to start going same thing with like convention stuff where like, I've started to be, have more interest in going to like, uh, comic conventions and things like that. And then it just, they all disappeared over the last year. And I was like, gosh, I really wanted to get into that, but they're all gone. Yeah. So, you know, like we were just getting on, on the other podcast. I, I'm a co-host on, uh, with, with three other guys, a horror podcast called, attack of the killer podcast uh we uh we were starting to do like live shows at conventions and, and sort of building that up and that was becoming a normal thing and we were actually for the first time making money to at least buy ourselves dinner afterwards or pay for the gas to travel and stuff and it was like this is really cool you know this is actually mm -hmm. like you know not just a um a way to throw money into a hole like most of our passions but um <laughs> yeah it uh obviously dried up and and we're looking forward to hopefully get we've slowly sort of been meeting up at different places like this past weekend there was a saying in in uh moline called midwest monster fest uh it's it's a horror convention but they had a little pop-up that was outdoors at, at some fairgrounds we had a vendor table and and those things are just what i miss most because you're in a huge group of like-minded people who 
all are there to support each other and no no egos involved everybody just stops at your table says hi and you go stop at their table and check out their stuff and everybody sort of trading stickers and buttons and you know hey you know you should be on my show sometime back and forth it's like that the last year of not having that of just talking over over zoom or on podcasts is is fun but it's like it's just not the same as face to face and com- comedy completely relies on a, on a live audience. I mean, you feed off of them to know if you're, how you're doing, whether what they like, what they don't like. Um, mm-hmm. 100%. I can't, I can't imagine even trying to do like, I, I haven't attended any of the zoom comedy stuff myself. Oh yeah. And it's, and it's for me, especially like, uh, like I said, a lot of people did a lot of zoom stuff and, and like, and more power to them. Like, but it's like, for me, it's such a symbiotic thing for performing stand-up because and it goes both ways because if i'm doing bad like um like i very rarely do i turn the crowd around like if it's if the first minute of my set's really bad then the next four to eight minutes is probably gonna go uh equally if not worse uh so it's one of those things where but on on the opposite end of that like if they're into it like i that really like charges me up and and uh you can kind of tell like okay they like this or you know i don't know it's uh but yeah it's for sure a very much I mean, in my experience uh i that's part that's part of the reason i like stand up is it is an instant some gratification when it goes well uh you know as opposed to other things like making movies and and things like that is like you have to wait a long time and then even when you wait a long time you know 90% of the people that see your thing you don't you don't know how they reacted and, and, or, you know, you don't get to see their reaction, but yeah. I mean, that's exactly why we didn't do a virtual fest and, and more power to bigger festivals who could pull that off. But, um, we have a a very sort of small intimate festival here in Burlington. And like Mm -hmm. you said, a lot of local filmmakers, especially shorts and animation, uh, you know, like you said, you only had a, a few festivals you played at and, you know, you only get to see your film. Some of these films only play at one festival and this is their moment. And for me, when I when we were sort of going back and forth on should we go virtual? Should we do, you know, delay it until we can do it in person? I yeah. said, you know, to do it virtual would just be like taking these people's movies that are already online, putting them online behind a paywall and then sort of taking, it didn't feel right to me. So I said, yeah. we'll wait, people will be patient. And uh, for the most part, the feedback has been like, thanks for waiting. Um, we would much rather wait a year to have it on a screen on a big screen, than have you throw it on the internet. Cause sure. like it's, it's also a lot to be said. It's a lot like comedy where, you know, if you sit in, you're in the audience during your film. It's like part of you's up on that screen and you get mm-hmm. to see what people think and, and get the real laughs and get the, you know, applause at the end. It's, it's a whole different experience, especially at a festival. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's, it's much more, uh, like, uh, the one that was about, was it Hiroshima or Nagasaki at your, at snake alley? That made me like cry. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the kind <laughs> that of stuff. Intense. Yeah. That's the yeah, kind that of stuff that we love, man. And, uh, yeah, so how long have you been doing comedy for? Like a, a decade-ish. Let's say like 2012. So okay. a little less than a decade. So you've been doing it quite a while. For, for stand-up and like... Yeah, I did... I, I think I maybe did a started a web series first, maybe. And then I started doing stand-up after that. And unfortunately, it went really well the first couple times I did it. So I kept doing it. <laughs> 
Yeah. Because if it would have went bad, I, I don't think I would have went. I think I would have been like, I'm never doing that ever again. And uh, I shouldn't say unfortunately, but it's uh, yeah. I mean, I can. Yeah. I mean, I understand. <laughs> it's it's a labor. It's like a labor of love, just like anything. You know, it's it's not a necessarily for a lot of people a way to make a living. It's it's just like being an artist. You know, it's it's tough to make it to the top, but it doesn't mean that it's not fulfilling. Um, but now that things are starting to get back open, have you done any shows in person? I have done the, uh, I've done the open mic that I, that I was running before and just kind of checking in on it and kind of doing that every now and then. Um, I haven't done anything more than that as far as show shows, but I think we'll probably start setting some stuff up here, especially now that like other comedians are starting to, to tour more and more and, and uh, stuff and so coming through Iowa City and places like that. So um, I just haven't been on the ball. But I do I do think there is a part of me, like sometimes uh, leaving comedy can make you appreciate it when you, you know, because and, and a lot of times comedians do this where they're like, where they take breaks from it. And, and just even saying that, if you're just like, I'm not going to do this for a while, mm-hmm. like just saying that can like make you feel relieved because you don't have to be like, I need to think of something funny to say in three days. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Not um, having that pressure. Yeah. And it's and that's not like it's nice. Even even if you do go back in two weeks or, you know, or two days, even it's like I remember the first time I quit comedy because uh, I did I, I quit in quotation fingers was like, I don't know, probably like seven years ago. But I like did a re- I did really badly um, at a show. And uh, and then like I literally was like, I'm not doing this anymore because that went horribly. Uh, but then within 24 hours, like, so, cause, uh, a Des Moines comedian I had met, like messaged me and was like, Hey, do you and your friend Christy want to come do a show in Des Moines? And I was like, yes. Like, yeah, just like yeah. that's all it uh, took. Yeah. That's all, that's all it took was, was someone being like, Hey, do you want to come do something? Um, but yeah. So if that tells you anything, no, I've, mindset, yeah, every, know. every year for the film festival, I sort of tell my wife like this, this is going to be the year that I pass off some of the responsibility to other people. <laughs> and, uh, I just, I have a hard time handing over some of it. Luckily she takes care of like all the volunteers and that kind of stuff, which is, is really a huge thing. And, uh, you know, I have somebody that does like this, the stage, uh, screenplay readings and someone who actually hosts. Um, but I'm always up in the projection booth running every movie. Cause I freak out. Like mm-hmm. I am a perfectionist and I worry cause I know those people are down in the audience and if their film doesn't play correctly or look right or sound good, like that's on me. Cause it's my festival and I want it yeah, to, yeah. to look the best. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very stressful for me, but, um, you know, it's like one of those things is it's stressful right up until it happens. And then right when like the last day when the final film plays, I'm like, man, I'm sad it's over, you know? And yeah, it's, it's, no, and next time uh, I definitely, uh, I need to make some, some new films. But if we come back to, 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 to snake alley again, like I definitely am going to stay longer. Cause that was, unfortunately it was one of the few times where like, like other times I was able to get people to go with me to other festivals and that and for some reason just people weren't available and so i like i went to for for the for the was it a saturday morning yep we do like a saturday morning cartoons yeah yeah so i went for that and maybe a little bit after it but i didn't get to stay for the the i think you guys had a script reading that night yeah and i didn't get to stay for that and i wanted to 
and I was kind of bummed. And I, I hope that, like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm going to plan things out better where next time, uh, where I'm going to kind of, you know, try and not only submit to more festivals, but even ones that I don't necessarily get into, I might just like be like, oh, it'd be fun to go up to, you know, Minneapolis or, you know, that's or Chicago or, yeah. or whatever, just to, just to, just to go around and see some, uh, fil- and that's what's awesome about film. One of the coolest things about film festivals is, um, is that you can go into so many things blind. Yep. And, and, and that, I mean, it can be terrible, but it can also be great because it's like, I have no idea what I'm about to see. And sometimes, you know, you'll get, you, they'll have programs that will have a description and, and sometimes, I mean, you can, but you don't even have to look at those. You can just go in and say, all right, this, this movie is called, uh, you know, uh, I can't even think of a fake name. <laughs> My brain's been leaving me. I think I'm getting like early onset dementia, but, uh, I can't even think of like a phony name for a, for a movie right now. Um, but yeah, you just go in and you say, oh, it's called, uh, uh, you know, Santa Claus loves halloween or something like that uh-huh. you know, something. and you're like ah, i think i know what it's gonna be about but then you don't know necessarily like is it gonna be a horror movie is it gonna be a, a christmas happy movie who knows um and that's i that's one of the best things that's the weirdest thing about trailers is that it is like there's kind of the uh or movies in general is like like it's it's you don't want to give too much away but at the same time you have to get people interested by telling them what it's going to be some somewhat right but i feel like my favorite trailers are the ones where i'm where i'm confused about what it's about but it still looks fun like when 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 there's just like craziness going on right. but it looks nice and there's like and then you can that's when i'm like i don't know what's happening here but i want to find out um i don't know yeah, I try to sell people on on our festival who are sort of intimidated by it because it's it's overwhelming. You have over a hundred short films, but mm-hmm. I try to tell people that the advantage of that is like, if you don't like what the, the film that you're watching right now, it's probably going to be over in five minutes and something else will come up. And if you don't like that, something else will be up in another five minutes. And I guarantee you're going to find like two or three in each film block that you're going to enjoy, and those are what you'll remember. Um, I I remember the first time I went to my festival before I was a director, I just went as an audience member and I went in uh, and it was probably 99% filmmakers and, uh, you know, the other people there were, were there to support their family or friends who had a film. And I remember I sort of came in and I'm like, am I supposed to be in here? I don't, I didn't make anything. And I I sat down (laughs) and, and, uh, you know, I really enjoyed it. So I, I, text or I called my wife and some friends. I'm like, Hey, you guys should check this out. There's this film festival down here. They came down and the, like the first film we watched um, with my wife sitting down was about this guy, this old man whose um, wife was suffering from Alzheimer's. And so he, oh, he, he ran her like he's, it was like very artful. I mean, mm-hmm. and he, he sold, he like wheeled her out into like, out in like the driveway and lit her on fire while she was alive and burned her. And I was like, Oh, uh, I, sw- I swear the last film block was not like this. <laughs> <laughs> you, she, she was like, what are you trying to tell me? Ted? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and uh, Were you like, don't ever get sick. I know the vows <laughs> said if you got sick, I'd be there for you. No, we, we, but don't do it. <laughs> we still yeah. laugh about it to this day. Like, you know, it was like one of the first impressions of it. But you never know what someone's first impression is going to be. And uh, 
but that's like I said, that's what I love about it is like it's this crazy playlist of things um, all throughout the day. And, you know, it's you never know what you're going to see. And and I try to avoid myself if, if I know I'm going to see a movie now. I, I just I'm, like, I'm going to go watch it. I'm going to try not to read about it or watch trailers, because if I'm already if I know I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to do it, but I'm guilty of, of breaking my own rules. And sometimes it's hard to avoid them. But, um, I mean, like sure. my expectations now with a year out of theaters, like I, I went and saw the new, uh, jigsaw movie with Chris rock. And I was like, did I really enjoy this? Or am I just happy to be in a theater watching a movie again? <laughs> Cause it's not yeah. that good, but it's like, I'm just, I'm just happy to be here. You know, it, it yeah. shouldn't work, but it does because I'm just, it's been so long. I'm so starved for it that, uh, I'm willing to go see things I normally wouldn't. But uh, what what have you been like as far as film stuff? Are you working on anything? I like kind of a, a few things, actually. I'm, I'm, it's weird about doing freelance stuff is like you get so caught up in writing stuff for other people that then you like don't work on your own stuff because it's like because uh, you're like, oh, I was just doing this for someone else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like. It's, it's like how I, I have one or two people that I know that are like, that like, uh, that are like Twitch, Twitch game streamers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it's like video games are their work now. So sometimes they don't play video games in their free time because that's what they do to make money. And that's their job. You know what I mean? Or so, right. or shouldn't say they don't do it in their free time, but not as much. But, uh, I, there is one thing I'm working on, um, I, I don't know if I want to talk about the idea on the... I know this sounds super, like, uh, conceited. Is like, I really like the idea, and I don't want to talk about it because I'm... Because I, I, I know it's an idea that's going to happen. Yeah, so... Like, it's a, it's, yeah, you it's can... a thing that will happen in the next five years. This movie, like, the main premise of what I'm doing will happen in the next five years. And so I'm trying to finish it. Cause, and I've had it for, like, five years, the idea. Mm-hmm. But I just finally got the outline done. Or, well most of the outline done it's one of those things where i've had scenes uh for a long time that i've kind of like been writing in my head and then i finally like have probably 20 20 some pages written okay um but there's that and then uh i just got hired to write uh to adapt this person's uh poker they wrote a a a thing about poker it's a poker movie uh, I mean, like adapting kind of, they have it kind of in prose form and I, and they're kind of giving me creative license to, to make tweaks and, and, and do, I'll probably mostly do dialogue changes because that's kind of my thing is dialogue. Make it funnier. Um, yeah. To make like, di- di- you know, witty or clever. And, right. and that's kind of my, the, 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 that's my favorite part of writing. And, and when I was, when I learned how to screenplays are becoming more, like literary kind of right i feel like uh which is fine but like when i was taught screenwriting it was like don't say anything that you that you're not able to show on screen Mm -hmm. if that makes sense Mm -hmm. where it's like because people will say stuff like it looks fantastic it's like well how do how are you how are you showing that does that make sense right i don't know how many people know much about screenwriting so like uh but but more and more people do that and i'm not i'm not saying it's bad i'm just saying like oh maybe i need to start changing my style and because because a lot of times it's uh i don't want to say it's a cheat but it makes it so it's like oh you can but you can very easily tonally tell someone something where it's like think about this sort of thing they're like that kind of guy 
but it's like that's not saying what's on the screen if that makes sense yeah like the but, the uh, rules are sort of changing from from when you started like uh things evolve you know screenwriting yes. naturally evolves yes and i've always been a minimalist and, and and that's part of what i liked about screenwriting is because uh i was a minimalist with with descriptions and was kind of taught to be a minimalist anyway so i was and you know so i was always like great i'll be like you know whereas someone would be like a red 1974 firebird pulls up <laughs> with a which like if there was a point to it being that then i'd be then i'd write that but i would but i'm just like a car rolls up. You know what I mean? Like that's right. how I was like a car parks next to the thing. Like, unless it's important that we know the make and model, like, unless it's like a, some sort of character thing. Like a lot of times I'm just, uh, if that makes sense, I'm very much like interior house. And, and, you know, I won't, you know, sometimes people will be like, there's a, this, uh, I don't know. They'll like go for a paragraph about describing what the living room looks like and how the lights coming in. Uh, which is fine. Like I said, sometimes it's like, and sometimes it's needed for, for, to set the tone, but I'll just be like interior living room guy sits in a couch. you know, there's a guy on a couch and there's a blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's I sort of just, it, maybe. I think it just sort of depends on, uh, the project too. I mean, sure. It's like if, if you're doing a comedy movie, that's not so much about visuals. It's more about the, um, back and forth it's completely different it doesn't necessarily matter so much about what kind of couch they're sitting on um yeah but uh you know if you're making an That's art true. house film it, it makes it can make more of a difference but um yeah i'm glad to hear that you're you've been still working on stuff uh and and keeping up with that i know some people have uh really used the last year to do a lot of writing but a lot of people said you know the pressure of having time off almost was too much it's like people were, mm -hmm. I'm expected to come out of quarantine with like four new screenplays because I had a year <laughs> off, but life, life still happened during that year. You know, it wasn't like a free break for everybody. Most people still worked and, and had, uh, you know, family take care of and, and themselves to take care of. And it was, it wasn't easy on anybody. So, you know, I, I think that, that expectations a little, uh, much myself. Sure. I, you know, I, and I just, I don't know. I just hope that I would, be getting more done and I'm writing because I'm also doing like my main gig right now that I've been doing is uh or well I should say like the big one that I'm doing the project wise is I'm writing a PSA for uh, for like a like a PR marketing company and it's a lot of like doing a large amount of work for a couple days and then not having to do anything for a week or two mm -hmm. because it's a lot of like back and forth between uh, you know, a bunch of different people where a lot of stuff, ideas get reviewed and, you know, just, it's, it's one of those, uh, things where I'm like, oh man, I have this free time that I'm not expected to do anything. I should probably get my own stuff done. But, uh, but yeah, it just kind of is, is all over the place. And, and once or twice, I got so used to taking, uh, you know, a few years ago when I would take any job pretty much that I could get, you know, writing wise. And it's been harder to, I've started to realize now that I'm like, oh, I don't have to do that anymore. Like, I don't have to take a job of where I don't think I'm going to like working with the person or if I don't think that the money is good enough mm -hmm. um, that I can be like, oh, like, I can say no to that one. I've got, I'm doing three other things right now because it's, you know, it, you, it still is kind of feast or famine, but it's, I, I kind of like uh, started to realize that once you, it kind of snowballs once you start doing more and more projects as you have more 
you know, you have more reviews and you have more of a background and it builds up more and more. So people are more and more likely to hire you just because you've done more things, which is, which I understand, but it's kind of, it's kind of nuts that it's, uh, that it's like that. But, uh, well, I mean, as soon as, as you're more selective about your stuff, that means you'll have better stuff on under your belt. And, you know, that will lead to better and better things because you have more like better stuff to show. Yeah, no, it's, and, and, and don't get me wrong. Like I, I, I usually, you know, have fun on pretty much any project I write for, especially because most, most projects are pretty like, uh, surprisingly give a lot of creative, like license well they'll be like do whatever you do and i'm like yeah great so what are you some of your favorite movies like i know you're big into them you make them you write them uh what are what are like your quintessential favorites you know um what's crazy is someone was asking me about that recently and i'll, t- I'll talk to you about this too later is that somebody was asking me and I, in all the movies i was naming like most of them work from this uh century and they were like, what have you seen in the last 10 years? And I was like, I was like, I can't think of anything that I really, really, really like. But there there was, I like had to, I just had to look it up. I do like a lot of uh, Edgar Wright's stuff. Yeah. Basically every, he's, I'd say of this century, he's the best writer, comedic, at least comedic writer, director, easily of this century, especially because he is able to be artistic with it well. It's one of those things where you're like, he not only is like a comedy thing and it just kind of like points the camera is like, he's very good at like, uh, especially in a genre, which isn't, you know, comedy isn't known for being fancy with directing, but he has a style to everything he does that it's uh, very good, I think. But I, yeah, I'd say most, in, in every Edgar Wright movie is at least pretty good. I still haven't seen Baby Driver, but like, I'd say Princess Bride's one of my favorites. Clue is one of my favorites. Uh, I'm just like looking at DVDs. I'll have to have you. I'll have to have you back on for Clue because that's one that I've never seen. Oh man, Clue is is fantastic. It's so well written, and all the the cast is so good in it. And uh, like Tim Curry, do you like Tim Curry? I love. I mean, yeah. I'm assuming you do. Yeah, I love Tim it's, Curry. It's he is fantastic. Uh, and that's, uh, yeah, that's one I've been watching since I was very little. Same thing with Princess Bride. Gosh, what? I was just going to say, just go alphabetically through your DVD collection yes. right now, uh, if I mean, you could. I mean, Harold Ramis is, is, is and I think it's because he's so underrated and it makes me depressed that people don't even know who Harold Ramis is without me always being like the nerdy Ghostbuster is like right. how I have to, that's like how I have to sell it, but I'm always, or tell who it is, but I'm like, he helped, you know, he co-wrote Ghostbusters. He wrote... He co-wrote Caddyshack. He directed Vacation. He directed and rewrote the screenplay for Groundhog Day. Uh, you know, Multiplicity he directed. Uh, Stri- and that's about the yeah. last one where it started to get... Stripes. Yeah, Stripes, yeah, he rewrote Stripes for him and Bill. Because originally that was written for, like, Cheech and Chong. And so he, like, rewrote it to be more for him and Bill, apparently. I had is, no idea, is... yeah. Yeah, and, and same thing with, like, Ghostbusters. If you, like... Because it was Dan Aykroyd's idea, but like Dan Aykroyd had some like fantastical things where there was like they were dressed in like squat gear or like a uh, they were dressed in like SWAT gear. I was going to call it squat gear, SWAT <laughs> gear, and they were like going to like alternate dimensions and they had like wand things and and I think Harold was all like, 
well, this isn't filmable, probably, uh, <laughs> and kind of helped him write it some, I think. Who, but, whose um, idea was, like, the ghost blowjob? Because that does... <laughs> ghost! That's a good question. I am not, uh, I'm not even sure, but that's a, that is a good question. Of, of Dan Aykroyd having, getting, I, I think it's a dream, it's a dream sequence of him getting a ghost blowjob, right? I think so. I forget, I forget. Cause it's yeah, but that sounds right. It's been a while since I watched it, and I did love Ghostbusters, both one and two. Uh, I didn't see the newer one, and I have I uh, I, 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 I and it wasn't me being like ooh, I wasn't like ooh, the Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. It was just kind of like even before that, once Harold, because I remember Harold before he died, even they like hired. Sorry, I could talk about Harold Ramis for a long time. <laughs> uh, but they hired the guys who wrote Year One, I think, because oh. they were when they were like, you know, because Ghostbusters Three has almost before that the newer one, like it had almost happened a bunch of other times, right? You know? And uh, but once he kind of wasn't going to write it, but but the and also the idea they had for what they were going to do was kind of was I thought was interesting was they were going to like hand the reins over where it was going to like the opening scene was going to be like uh like them doing like a really a really routine busting of ghosts okay uh, and like but they was going to like showcase them all like one of them has like a bad back and one of them can't see right and so it was going to like the opening scene was basically going to be them fucking up a really routine ghost busting and then be like gosh we can't do this anymore and i was like that sounds like a really funny opening scene is just them being incompetent at busting ghosts uh yeah yeah because i know for yeah there was talks about them you know passing on the proton packs to a younger group and everybody was arguing over who should replace them and it was just like sort of a a I don't know. It's like one of those things where it's like, just leave it alone. I'm excited yeah. to see the new one, but um, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm keeping my expectations low. We'll see. And that's one that yeah. I, I probably will not watch any more trailers for it because uh, I'm going to go see it. I'm going to pay to see yeah. a ticket. I'm, I don't need to see any more about it, but um, I'm trying to remember exactly how we even got to the point where we were talking about um, today's topic. Cause I know oh. that we, we started somewhere on, uh paul dano i think it was paul dano it was me probably talking about how much i hate paul dano and i and i and i came to his defense and yeah um i thought you know well let's you said you hadn't seen the the movie we're talking about and Mm -hmm. i said hey you know we should watch it i couldn't remember if it was um like hey you should check out this movie and you're like i hate paul dano but i think it started with your hate towards paul dano so yes where does your hate from paul dano come from his face and me wanting to punch it. Uh, <laughs> no, like I, it's hard to explain. I don't know why. And I, here's what I'll also say though, is he, he has very good performances, uh, like love and mercy. He's fantastic in. Yes. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of other things that I, there, there's one or two other things that I, I think I like him in, but also, and I'm, and I'm, and I already talked about crying once and I, and, and I will also say, Spoiler alert, the movie that we we're going to talk about made me cry once or twice. Uh, but he cries in like every movie he's in. Paul Dano cries. It's kind of a whiny, like, like, I don't know. And I think Little Miss Sunshine really did start it because he was like, like, the character was so, I don't know. I didn't like that character. He was just like, I'm reading Ichi and I want to be a pilot, but I don't know I'm colorblind even though I'm 17 because, <laughs> I, I don't know, like... Ugh. 
spoiler alert for Little Miss Sunshine, but uh, that kind of that. Yeah, I don't know. And then also, uh, I do love and there will be blood. And it's almost maybe a testament to him being an, like to him doing a good job is the fact that I just hate him. So like, I hate him so much. And there will be blood that and I'm I know you're supposed to probably right. Yeah. So maybe he he did such a good job at being a hateable person that I like can't separate <laughs> the like my my hatred of the character that from the from the actor and I do you know this is true uh is I heard that Daniel Day Lewis was like uh because there's multiple scenes where he's like beating up Paul Dano <laughs> but I heard I think it's the mud one where like Paul Dano is like genuinely like Daniel Day Lewis is really like beating him up and Paul Dano was like scared is what I heard <laughs> I don't know if that's true it would not surprise but... me at all Oh, and it's hilarious because, you know, he's like smacking him around and shoving his <laughs> face in the mud. And, uh, and, and you know, which usually isn't OK, but but with Paul Dano, I'm, that's I was going to say you probably love that. That's like uh, pleasurable for you to watch. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Especially because Daniel Day-Lewis is just the best. Yeah. So um, you've already if, if you're listening to this, you saw this in the subject. So it's not really a secret. But uh, tonight we're going to talk about Swiss Army Man. You know, I had always hoped right before I died, my life would flash before my eyes and I would see wonderful things. But as I was hanging up there, I didn't really see much of anything. But I did see you. I thought you were dead. Am I dead? I don't think so. You're talking. Hello. Hi. You're special. I'm special. You're like the multi-purpose tool guy. And that's why I need you to help me get home. You want to go home so you can have love. But you ran away because nobody loves you. Shut up. You can't just say everything that comes into your head. That's bad talking. Oh. Oh! oh! It's moving! What's happening? Ooh. Manny, I think your Wang is guiding us home. It's magic. People don't like other people's farts. Is that why you don't fart in front of me? I just like to do it alone. Or hold it in. That's what you're supposed to do. That's so sad. Yeah, so Swiss Army Man released July 1st, 2016, written and directed by Daniel Scheinert and Daniel Kwan, known as Daniels, Uh, music by Andy Hall and Robert McDowell of Manchester Orchestra, um, with some actual singing from Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano. 
uh, starring Paul Dano as Hank, Daniel Radcliffe as Manny, and in a very brief appearance, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Sarah. So right off the bat, did you hate this movie? No, I thought it was fantastic. Good. I'm glad to hear. Um, <laughs> it was, I will say, I, I was excited, though, at the beginning, because it starts with Paul Dano <laughs> about to kill himself. And I, I, I have notes, and I said, opening hanging scene. I said, too good to be true, question mark? Um, yeah, well, and actually, and, and they did, in the, and well, not the very beginning. The very beginning is they did a very creative way to be lazy about the exposition where they did the notes right on uh on like a little boat where, which is and... like yeah because anytime you have like words telling the audience exactly what's happening that's kind of lazy but and this is like like I, this i shouldn't say lazy because it's an almost an ingenious way to do it is that they kind of you know have the help and then the and you know and then it's more and more stuff that's getting sent out and it's becoming elaborate things. And it's like more and more where it's like, Oh, this is someone who has been out there for a while. And, you know, they have time to like, they think they're going to die because they're like telling their story now. And, um, sorry, but I digress, but yeah, no, it's, it was, is very a very good movie I, I love the idea that um you start watching this movie and you're like this is why tad thought i would oh, i would enjoy it he kills himself <laughs> yeah. in the first 30 seconds how fantastic i, I knew better though <laughs> i knew better i was like and then also i was like uh because ve very shortly after that he starts a monologue and i was like oh man a paul D dano monologue and then i was like oh wait <laughs> He's the only because I, I for I like wasn't sure how much Daniel Radcliffe was gonna talk, and I was like, oh shit, this whole movie might be a, a Paul Dano monologue, and I was like, oh my god, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? Uh, but th but that was short. That shortly pa that passed uh, well, after a brief period. At least he's it's it was only like an hour and a half. So if it was, um, it wouldn't be like an excruciating two and a half hours of him. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it starts off with him like literally about to kick the bucket. He's standing on like an old cooler or something. Um, mm -hmm. We assume he's on a deserted island from the exposition they they set up, like you said, on the little boats and notes that are floating out in the ocean. Um, a corpse washes up on the beach right before he he jumps, and so he accidentally still ends up almost killing himself, <laughs> which is hilarious. Yeah. Like it, it's the most sad, but hilarious. It, it, this movie balances that very well. Um, uh, oh, yeah. so much humor in tragedy, you know, like he, he, yes. he falls off and acts almost accidentally in a way kills himself and, and gets off the rope. But this is where things start getting weird. Cause he, he goes down, he checks it out. He, he tries to resuscitate him. He's, it's mm -hmm. clearly just a body so he's like okay i'm gonna actually i i just found a corpse i'm gonna kill myself but yeah but the corpse it starts farting and this is uh yes and that's <laughs> did you watch it with subtitles because that's i i'm so glad i watched it with subtitles because there's so many things that like were more funny because of the subtitles <laughs> the amount of time in the first five minutes that the subtitle says farting continues is like a bunch <laughs> Yeah. is a bunch uh which it makes it way funnier to just see to just read the words farting continues um but yeah uh it, it and, and that's another a testament to a beautiful movie that it is is that they do that so much of it is like lowbrow it's like farting and 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 daniel daniel uh ratcliffe showing his ass 
and just ridiculousness yet somehow is still like artsy and heartwarming is like that's hard to do all those things uh in such a close proximity to each other and, and sometimes almost at the exact same time right like i i in preparation for this i i actually saw this opening night at film scene and i remember the oh, hosts no. came out and they said you know this is the best uh fart house movie you'll see this year uh, very clever, you know, mm-hmm. fart house instead of art house. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I watched a bunch of featurettes this go around just because I wanted to know more about it and, and listening to the directors, the Daniels, as they're known as. Um, they're, they're two friends who started working together in uh, college and they've done several music videos, uh, really big ones. And then when they got this gig, they they brought back everybody who'd ever worked for them for free on uh, their short films or music videos, everything. They said like there was not anybody on the cast or crew that they did. Uh, th- they didn't know like everybody they hired oh, was, wow. was a friend. And uh, they said it was like the most uh, fun they've ever had shooting anything. Um, but it was, th- they said the idea came, I- I'm trying to remember. I think it might've been uh, Daniel Kwan's idea of um, like this idea of uh, like farting, or, or some like feeding or force feeding a corpse a bunch of beans and using it like a jet ski and that's where the whole yeah. like movie the idea started rolling they're like how do we make yeah. this a they thought this is too high concept for like a short because mm-hmm. it, uh, ocean shots and that like writing it would be too much for a short but if we can convince somebody to finance this for a feature we can fill it out and they, they mentioned what you talked about, like finding the uh, true emotion and beauty in the lowbrow humor. So I guess at Sundance, this premiered and like t- like a good portion of the crowd walked out 10 minutes into it because they thought it was just like <laughs> a dumb fart movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, he, he jumps. Which it is. Yeah, he, he jumps <laughs> on the corpse and ends up riding it like a jet ski. And it's, it's yes. actually beautiful and looks really cool, mm-hmm. but it's... Yeah, I mean it's it's a bunch of farts. Uh, yes, and so we think for a second he's saved. He he's riding him, and then he wakes up and he's on like um, a more uh, mainland shore. Like, but mm-hmm. it still looks like he's far from civilization. But he yes. sees woods, so he knows he's he's somewhere close to civilization. Um, yeah, the woods look very like uh, coast or very like Pacific Northwesterny. Yeah, and or, it, you know, they, or, yeah, it doesn't. They don't look like tro- it doesn't look like tropical beach. It looks yeah. Right, and and they never really do explain how, or I mean, it, we'll we'll get to that I guess towards the end if he was really even on a deserted island. But um, he sort of makes friends with this corpse because he, you know, he now he knows he can use its gas, its farts to ride it mm-hmm. uh, through the water. He takes him with him, um, and that night they hide out in a cave um, and, and during a rainstorm, and and this is sort of where we we first get our introduction real introduction to manny because he wakes up the next morning uh he tries to catch this raccoon who's messing with with the corpse um spills his water he doesn't <laughs> yeah, know he what says, to do let me eat he says let me eat you I think, to, the, <laughs> yeah. to the raccoon and then spills his water right yeah yeah he chases after it but um it, this is a, a, a pivotal scene because he comes back in and he discovers that the corpse can actually work as like a well. It's been collecting mm-hmm. the rainwater all night and he can actually use the corpse to drink, which is, is another gross out thing because he's pulling it from the body and it seems to have an endless supply of water. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's like this. OK, now we sort of understand where the term Swiss Army man is coming from. And, and this is also where uh, I believe Manny first speaks like they're sitting in there yes. and he, he makes some noises. 
And uh, eventually he starts asking questions. He's like very uh, childlike because he doesn't know who he is, where he's at, what anything is, but he knows how to speak the English language, which is, yeah. you know, I mean, you don't try to find logic in a movie where a farting corpse <laughs> uh, movie, but no, but I was the whole time and I, maybe it was <clears throat> the intent, but the whole time I'm like, is this going on in his head? Right. Especially with the talk, like, and I think, and I'll get into it later, but I think even the filmmakers weren't sure what the answer was until later. Cause there's one or two holes that I'll, I'll talk about later. Or there was one specific thing where I was like, that doesn't add up And like, and I get it because it's like, I think it's one of those things where if you do try and poke holes in it, they'll be like, well, in the first five minutes, we had a man being ridden like a jet ski with farts. So <laughs> yeah, so all like logic is you, out the window. Yes, like you stayed for, I think that was smart of them because you're saying people walked out, but I think they were just like, anyone who will stay for this part will stay, will be on board for everything else is what I almost feel like is like, if you're willing to watch Paul Dano uh, ride Daniel Ratcliffe <laughs> like a jet, like a dolph- dolphin jet ski, uh, <laughs> then you'll stay for most of the rest of it, probably. Yeah, I mean, you open with that, then yeah, it's, it. you know, you, like you said, you're along for the ride. And I, I just have to say, um, I just adore uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Like, this guy has Harry Potter fuck you money, and ever mm-hmm. since he did those movies, he's just done awesome indie films. Uh, he just, to me, like, I, I did not really grow up watching Harry Potter stuff, but when I met my now wife, she introduced them to me. Um, they, I, I enjoy them, but I'm, they're not, like, something I hold that close to me, so I don't have this huge connection. Like, I'm not connected to sure, him same. as Harry Potter, so when he does stuff like this, I just have so much respect for him because uh, he's not he could be doing huge blockbusters all the time. He's he's Daniel Radcliffe, but he uses that like <clears throat> fame he has and he's even used it to get things made like he knows that if his name's attached to something, they're going to get a bigger budget, some financing. Um, he's yeah. he's a producer on. Um, oh, gosh. And now I'm forgetting there was a show on TBS. uh about, oh, the God one, the one yeah. the God or something like that. I can't yeah. remember what it's called. And it's it's so damn good. Uh, it's he they did two seasons of it. Um, the first season was really funny. It had uh, a really great cast, and then yeah, it's the, him and Buscemi, I think. Yes, I, I, Buscemi, yeah. yeah, and he yeah. was fantastic in it too. Uh, Miracle Workers is what the the show was. Yo, called. Oh, Miracle Workers, yeah, yeah. Didn't yeah. love the second season, but it was still very funny. But it's like. He doesn't have to do these things. He he could go. He could do the Macaulay Culkin thing and sit at home <laughs> and and do a podcast and smoke weed and and you know fuck around for for yeah. the rest of his life and he would be fine. But he just he's gone and done things and this couldn't have been easy to make. I mean, um, I, like watching the special features and stuff. They built I think four different um, dummies of Manny. They built. One that was basically uh, they and they actually cast his butt. That's his actual butt. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah. they they cast his face. They showed like the they did the whole like cover him in slime in his apartment to make um, a life cast. And they they asked him if they could cast his butt, and he's like, "Well, if you don't cast mine, you'll cast someone else's, and I don't want someone else like someone else's bad butt being my butt." So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. use his butt. They said that he refused to like if there was a, a possible way for him to do the stunt, he wanted to be in on the camera. And if it had to be the dummy, he wanted to be the one throwing it. So he was still involved in that scene. Like, yeah. And and 
Paul Dano, they said by the time they got this main uh, dummy that looked the most realistic uh, built, it was only like 10 pounds lighter than than Daniel. So he was like, well, this it's only 10 pounds lighter and I it just doesn't feel right. So if yeah. I'm going to carry actually carry Daniel through the movie, like yeah. f- physically carry him. And so like 99 percent of the scenes that we see are actually <laughs> Daniel him getting carried. Yeah. And That's it, great. It's crazy to think like some of the stuff because I, I watched again some of the making of and they they had some blooper reels, and it's it's really eerie watching them when he's trying to like, he breaks and he he laughs because he's doing that thing where one eye's sort of closed, one's open. Yeah, and it's and like, like... <laughs> yeah, but but then he breaks and he starts laughing and and they were saying on the set it was really eerie because they had those dummies around and it was, you would walk up to one thinking it was a dummy and it would be Daniel or, or they would be talking to a dummy thinking it was Daniel and it wouldn't respond. And so they yeah. had, they had a lot of fun setting those up in spots and uh, you know, it's just, I, I appreciate a kid who, ha- who, who has, you know, the fame and money that he probably has to get, go out and get dirty and do something weird like this, you know, uh, both him and, Paul said they read the script and were in at the scene where they, they ride through, you know, ride him like a jet ski like that. They were like, <laughs> I'm sold on the first three pages, you know? Yeah. Wow. And, and I, yeah, and it, it, you were talking about the, the, the crew all being there. And then I also had read that they had the music before the movie. Um, so it was like, which, which, cause that's the other thing is I feel like without the music being as good as it is, this movie wouldn't be half as good. Oh yeah, it's, like, it's great. Uh, it's very. It's almost. I don't know that that band. I forgot what you. Manchester the, Orchestra. Manchester Orchestra, because they almost sound like Beach Boysy, like uh, the harmonies. Yeah. The yeah. No, it's and it's like, it's it's very good, and you can. And there was other times too with like the montage one where once again where the subtitles, where I was if I wouldn't have known the lyrics if they hadn't had the subtitles, but it was some real funny lyrics every now and then. Um, but it's one of those things where you could tell, like, it made sense that they knew the music while they were on set because it like, you know, most of the time the music comes post, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, oh no, they were really singing along to the songs that were playing and the things that they were doing. And they, and, and you mentioned that they really do sing some of the stuff as well. Yeah. that, That Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano were doing some of the... Yes, they show the footage. And I think how it worked was these guys from Manchester Orchestra wrote like the harmonies and they said it's basically sort of like drumsticks uh, and percussion with, you know, them repetitively sort of doing these harmonies. Um, And then they brought brought those songs to the Daniels and not Daniel Radcliffe, but the directors. That's there's three Daniels on here. But um, yes they they brought him in and you know they absolutely of course absolutely loved it but then they brought in uh paul dano and daniel radcliffe and they're doing the actual voices they're actually singing like paul's a really really good singer he did all the the actual singing in love and mercy yeah, in love and mercy yep. yeah and, and, and learned piano and that but mm-hmm. um yeah they i think they added the actual uh lyrics like to relate to the movie that they had these harmonies and then they they somehow fit them in and of course we have like a somber version of cotton eye joe and the jurassic park theme yeah yeah uh, it, it, that was funny yeah the jurassic I mean, park. it was like if you don't know jurassic park you, you don't know, know shit. shit yeah 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 and the the music is just it fits the movie so well because it too is 
like the lyrics can be super sad or super funny. It rides that line where it's the music. I, I listened to the score at work today while I was, I was doing stuff and it's, it's something that I've, I've listened to several times and it's like, it puts you in a, in a certain mood um, for sure. It's, it's very big, but also minimal. It's, it's hard mm-hmm. to explain, but I, I, mm-hmm. I, I agree that without that music, this movie isn't nearly as good. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they, they did it. They did it very well. And it's, yeah, it puts you in a mood and cause it's like optimistic and kind of energizing and like, I don't know, it's, it's, but it's still kind of pretty and laid back. I don't know. It's, I know those are all con- half those things contradict the other half of what I just said, but like, yeah, it was, it was good. But this, yeah, I mean, eventually they, they're digging, sort of finding trash <laughs> and, and, um, Hank is trying to, he, he almost, he, at first he's sort of trying to get Manny to remember who he is, but soon we learn that he's almost projecting his own life onto Manny. He's telling mm-hmm. him, you know, oh, there's this girl that, you know, he, he's trying to teach him about love and about, uh, relationships and, and what brings joy. And it's, it's really interesting. Cause I, I watched, uh, an interview with Colbert that had, um, Daniel Radcliffe on there. And he sort of talked about like, he said it becomes a discussion between a suicidal man and a dead body as to whether life is worth living. And that to me, like sums up the movie so perfectly because that's what it is. I mean, he's, he has so many questions for Hank and Hank is struggling because he's like, you know, well, that's not how it is. He's almost facing a reality, you know, like a, an ugly reality because of uh, Manny's bluntness of his questions. Um, I, I have a whole bunch of quotes. I absolutely love from this, but uh, they eventually find a uh, swimsuit magazine, sort of like a sports illustrated yeah, swimsuit yeah. magazine. And that's when we discover that um, Manny's boner works as a compass, which, yes, you know, yeah. another fantastic <laughs> ingenious move. Uh, they showed how they built that. It was like, you know, uh, animatronic, like they use a joystick. Uh, mm-hmm. I just, everything in this movie was done practically, which is so creative and so funny. But once again, it's, it's the lowbrow humor but it's it's meaningful, you know what I mean? Like it's sure. it's he's using he, he I think he even says something in the trailer that we heard, like you know your wang is leading us is going to save us, you know it's leading us to uh, home. Yeah, and uh, you know this is he sort of teaches Manny like Hank teaches Manny the joys of going out to eat, going to the movies, partying. He builds all these uh, props in the woods out of plants and uh trash and it's it's really beautiful just the the sets that they build the art direction is in this is is something to behold too yes yeah and the cinematography is gorgeous like all the everybody was was sort of uh just knocking it out like everybody should get credit for this because it's it's really especially when you like you said it's essentially um paul dano and and now we have radcliffe talking so it helps out a little bit but it's two guys walking through the woods talking to each other there's not a whole mm-hmm. lot to go on and it's it's still paced perfectly um very vis- just it starts getting deep when when manny starts asking certain questions uh he's like you know sort of asking uh hank why because at, at some point hank puts a cork into manny's butt because he's sick of him farting he's sort mm-hmm. of talking like you know well why do you fart in front of people well no people don't like that well why and it's sort of it's just a a dumb fart question but it's like an expression for people's individuality like 
Manny is so pure, like so unfiltered that he doesn't he, he doesn't understand why. Like why do why do people dislike each other for farting? Why are we why are you afraid to fart in front of me? Uh what what else are you hiding from me? You know, and mm-hmm. it, it's like this weird tragic beauty in this. Yeah, no, and he and, and not only that, it's like even what he does know he he hasn't connected together because he like he like says the line where he's like hank next time i masturbate i'll think about your mom uh-huh and he like says it as to be like a nice like thing like in remembrance of your mother next time i masturbate i'll think about her and and hank has to be like no that's fucked up like don't don't <laughs> say that but it's like i don't know and and and, and and the more when they got in the more of that that's when i was like oh this you know manny is not really <clears throat> a lie i don't know like i said it kept me guessing and maybe it's supposed to <clears throat> was supposed to on if it was like really happening but like or yeah that was one when i was like oh we're just like getting into the like deep into the inner you know thinkings of you know just he's just wants to you know feel like he's finally with someone to share the experience with Right. And it's like he, he says uh, there's a point in the movie. I'm not sure if it's here or, or where, but he says something about like, um, don't be retarded. Then he's like, oh, I sound like my dad. And that starts yeah. a whole thing about how his he sets up this automatic card, birthday card that goes to his dad and his dad does the same for him. So it's like I could die out here and my dad would never know because he'll get a birthday card every, yeah, every that's year. That's the only way they communicate is that he set up an automatic uh, birthday card. And so, yeah, yeah, which is, super sad, like, yeah, you know, and, and at what points you, you mentioned that this movie did make you cry? What, what points were, were those? Do you remember? Yes, I think toward the <clears throat> gosh, I'm trying to think probably uh, the, I think the bus scene, so which is such a which is very weird that it was then maybe to I think when he was like, uh, like talking about. I'm trying to think if it was him like on the bus when he like had and was rotating like the pictures oh, yeah. and stuff and and uh that that think I think around there did and then towards the the end with some of the bear stuff I think was kind of That maybe... was definitely emotional. Uh Yeah. I I I think the the scene where he's playing Sarah, he's trying to get uh he's trying to make he he says he's trying to make Manny remember um but we see we know that is Hank's phone and that he's the one that's obsessed with Sarah, but he, he dresses up as Sarah and, and, you know, comes on the bus and, um, it's just such a stupid premise, but the way it's shot with the music and everything again, is just, it's so awesome. And and the way that they have the picture scrolling by him and he's like, I want to ride the bus every day. And, and I want to, you know, do, do the, everybody sing along. And, and he's, you know, Hank's like, well, no, you, you listen to your own music and and don't talk to others because you don't know them. And yeah. it's just the the pure innocence and uh, unfiltered thoughts of Manny are just uh, so like perfect. Like you know, it's it's like a dog's unconditional love or something. Yeah, or like because right when before before uh, uh, before Paul Dano shaves his beard when he first like dresses up in drag, and Manny's like, "You look." He's like think like Paul Dano's thinking that Manny's like making fun of him or judging him, and he's like, "You look beautiful," and he's like, "Oh, what?" Like I don't know, and it's like <clears throat> just very. He's just very accepting of of him, and uh, but that was also the one thing that I thought was a storyline hole 
is that is and it's and it's a part that made me think that Manny was just a manifestation, no pun intended. <laughs> a of, Manny uh, manifestation. Uh, yes, a Manny of was just uh, <laughs> a a manifestation of of you know uh, because he said something because Manny comes up with her name, right? Because he's like Sarah, Sarah. What? And I was like, well, how would he know that that's who that is? Well, do, right? Doesn't he? He does, but I I. Is there any point that we actually find out that her name really is Sarah, or do we are we just calling her Sarah because that's what Manny comes up with? Like, there, uh, towards the end, and we we can jump around. We don't have to go, yeah. um, you know, th- through the, the entire movie. At the end, sure. when when they arrive to the house, I I can't recall if there's ever a point where we hear her be called Sarah. Like, he, he there might be, but I know that they show up and she has no idea who he is, and suddenly we're like, oh maybe this whole time he was just like in her back woods. Yeah. Well, and that's the other question. That's the other thing where I was like, how on earth? And like I said, I know the fact that like, I don't know. I, I mix feelings. Cause I know they're just like, Hey man, you signed on for this at the beginning of right. this. Just not making any sense, but it's one of those things where it's like, how does Manny, Manny know that that's where Sarah lives? Mm-hmm. Like, unless maybe Manny really did know her somehow, I guess that's a workaround where Manny somehow, unrelatedly also knew her um <clears throat> which is possible i guess but uh but because they just end up in her backyard and he's all like we're here and and you know paul dano's like wait what oh no um but it's like how what are the odds how on earth is that where they would be found like <clears throat> i wonder if there's i don't know I, i'm guessing there's not things in the script that explain that better but i wonder if there's was anything in a draft that helps tie that together a little bit better i don't know yeah i remember the first time myself seeing it and being a little bit confused towards the end because i'm like wait so you know who is he like who knew who and is manny really there because they see him they react to him as if you know there is a corpse there um And And especially when they talk to the daughter, that's when I was like, oh, he's Manny's real, I think, Mm because someone else just acted like like the kid or unless it's one of those things where it's like, is is it the fact that they're a child, like how kids can see ghosts and stuff? Like, is it the magic of a child, a child's brain not knowing any better, the innocence? I don't know. But yeah, and that was because they do it. And to me, spoiler alert, uh, is they very much do say that Manny is real. Like to me, because when it cuts to that angle where it's the camera, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, like it's the news camera, camera. Right. And they're, they're like showing that like, and to me, that's like a very, a statement of being like, this is all really being, this isn't any imagination of anybody. Like this is the point of view of a physical real thing that is seeing a, a corpse kind of <laughs> like, or well, a corpse question mark, you know, uh, a farting and with a thumbs up, like a T2 thumbs up in his way, <laughs> like farting away like that. And, 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 and then when they ended it too, I was just like, I almost feel like I'd been had because it ends with Elizabeth, Mary Elizabeth says like, like, what the fuck? And it like ends and it's right. like, ah, oh, man, they, they like, I, you feel like you've been pulled a prank on but in a good way is almost how I felt yeah. at the end there. His dad, yeah, his dad, like, watches him, like, you know, fly away with his farts and, and has, like, a smile on his face. Yeah, the dad smiling and the kids smiling. 
but then everyone else is like, what the fuck? It's like, that's like, like half of Mary Elizabeth Winstead's line in that. It's just like, or it's just like, what the fuck? Like that, that, and that, uh, that really, before that very last minute, the last like six or seven minutes before that last minute are super cringy and we're 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 very uncomfortable i felt like oh from the time um, they like walk into the backyard you mean until right that... around when they, kind of there but all but once they, once she sees the phone yes. that has her picture of her when, when that's the... when i was like yeah. oh man and then and it, okay did you also feel maybe uh when like the debt like because like i said it kept me guessing but when the dad was there and he like won't talk to the dad I was like, wait, was he by himself? And is he a ghost? And is his body in the bag? Like, that's like, like, I know that sounds dumb, but there was so much of like, or I'm like, I feel like, does that make sense? But I was like, oh no, he's got a crutch. Like he's really there. Cause I was, I almost was like, oh, because, and I almost didn't know if it was intentional because they were calling him Manny for that scene. Right. I think. And then he's like, I'm not Manny, but I almost was like, oh, was this a fake? like a fake reveal. Does that make sense? I might just be overthinking it, but there was a part of me that's like, oh, is he a ghost and the other and his body was there? Or I don't know. I was just to me. I took yeah. it as like he had uh, he sort of wanted to see how his dad would react to finding out he was dead. He wanted to see if his dad yeah. would even care if he died. And he to me, it, my first thought was that he changed. He, he lied about his name because he knew they had that phone and they were, they might find his name in it. And he's like, well, that's not my phone. That's his phone. But of course they go through the pictures and find pictures of him and they figure out it's actually Hank's phone and that he's Hank. But I also feel like at the moment when he sort of goes rogue on the, on the news broadcast is a moment where he's like this whole movie I've been uh, talking about how I can't fart in front of people, how you can't just go up to the girl on the bus and, and say how you feel, how you can't, express yeah. yourself um you can't call your dad and tell him that you you know you really love him um he finally is like i'm free and i'm going to be honest and then it's like the ending where where mary elizabeth winstead's character uh, sarah is like disgusted her and her husband are disgusted but the, <laughs> the kid and the dad are delighted i'm like this is like probably how the audience is watching this you know half of the audience yeah. was like this dumb ass movie about <laughs> a farting corpse and the other half is like like me like a dumbass in the crowd just like loving every second of it cannot get enough yeah. you know and i don't think that <laughs> I, i'm probably digging too deep for it because it seems like maybe they just wrote this and we're like we don't know how to end it so we're just gonna have him right off into the sunset on his farts you know yeah well and then also i wondered because I'd, I'd be interested to see the script because like i said especially with this script i bet there's a lot of like uh i don't know i'd be interested to see what the script says of if they like if they say exactly the look of the the reactions on people's faces or if they just like leave it plain because <clears throat> i i would assume that they're especially with mary elizabeth winstead she for for me i'm sure she would be like what do you want me to feel like what's my reaction you guys want here because this is all fucking nuts you know what i mean like exactly i feel yeah. like that would be the hardest like to as far as like uh to be like what do you how do you want me to act towards all this because this is all insane like especially um, yeah when you're only in that scene like i mean yeah. i'm sure she read the whole screenplay but how yeah there's how am i to react and and i watched uh, there were some deleted scenes which did not clear anything up um 
they were just either longer cuts of certain scenes or there was a, a few extra cuts of him uh, fucking around with Manny and like learning his his tricks. But there is a scene towards the end um, where where uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is holding her daughter and the actress his, that's playing her daughter. Mm-hmm. And um, they're filming her reacting to Paul Dano in several different ways. And so I thought that was interesting because, uh, you know, they, they get multiple takes and then see what feels better. So maybe they did that for the end and didn't include it on there. But the scene where she's like, she finds him in the backyard and she's sort of repulsed, but also wants to be helpful. Um, and, and she picks up her daughter and is like very protective. There's, there's, like I said, they, they did like five or six takes of it and they, they put that on the Blu-ray and I thought, you know, I wonder if there's more of that. Like, let's see you do, you know, three or four takes and we'll use what we decide. Yeah, that's interesting, <clears throat> uh, especially as like sometimes I wonder when, when st- things like that, where they're just like, especially when you have good actors, uh, because I've always said like good acting and I, and I do think the writing is good. So I, 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 I I'm going to preface that before saying what I'm about to say, because it's going to make it sound like I don't think the writing is good in this, which I do think the writing is good in this. But I always say that, like, I always say, I, I've always thought that, like, good acting can save bad writing, but a good writing doesn't really save bad acting. Right. Uh, and so, like, I feel like when you have very good actors, because all three of those actors are, like, pretty good, um, that you kind of just go, here, here are the words. Let's uh, go through it a couple times, and uh, I'm sure you'll give us something usable. Like, you know, right? because why not? Yeah. um, Yeah, I mean, it's basically, it comes down, like, just to sort of round out the the um, story-wise, eventually he does find out that Manny can also, like, chop. He uses him as, like, an axe, almost. (laughs) He can shoot things out of his mouth, which uh, comes in use several times when they... They shoot at things. Um, he, he starts hunting with him, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uses him. He puts a crutch down his throat and uses it as like a Gatling gun, like a Batman style uh, <laughs> rope. It's awesome. Um, but eventually Hank sort of has to confess to Manny like, look, Sarah is actually the girl I'm in love with. Um, I, may, mm-hmm. I I convinced you that you knew her. Um, this has all been sort of a, a, a lie. And suddenly Manny, who's like been his best friend, turns off like he's 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 pissed he's he's no longer uh going to be hank's friend he's no longer his swiss army man and um there's there's a sort of that emotional scene where they're they're sleeping and he wakes up and there's a bear and he's trying Mm -hmm. to get uh hank to or manny to work and he won't work he tries to turn him into the into the machine gun type thing that he used but he basically like rocks just kind of fall out of his mouth and uh and he eventually yeah. uh, he gets him to ignite a fart to scare away the bear, which is a really wild scene. Like I, I watched how yeah. they did that on the special features too. Um, they had that was one of the they actually had to have a stunt person because they had to do like a, they lit him on fire and shot. He <laughs> yeah. did an actual flip and stuff, but um, and and the the bear was shot on a separate day with a closed mm-hmm. set and everything. But um, really an impressive scene. But you know, again, it's it's they were sort of talking like we had to rent a bear and get light a person on fire for a fart scene. And it, yeah, and, it yeah. and it becomes very emotional. Like that's the scene where they do that. And they, uh, they sort of confess like, you know, what's this all mean? Like there's just a lot of emotion in that scene. And that's where, you know, sure. he, he wakes up and, and that's when he's carrying him into uh, Sarah's backyard. But, uh, well, yeah, 
and, and not only because you think he's gonna die, not only because of the bear, but like, uh, but he also gets his leg like, oh yeah, like bit like, and it's one of those things where it's like, oh, he's gonna bleed out probably. Like, like, like if you get you the lower third of your, you know, from your ankle down, like, kind. I guess he's. It doesn't. It, it looked worse when they showed it than it like. I was like, oh, I guess he's able to sort of walk, but when it happens, it looks real bad like he almost is like gonna like loses i don't know yeah he's because getting... he does have to get carried right yeah but, but then yeah he... yeah the the table sort of turned because hank has to carry uh or manny has to carry manny. hank mm-hmm. and and throughout the movie uh manny gets like more not only does he learn more he's he's like starting to um be more of like a person like he's learning how to yes. use his facilities he's learning how to walk and and stuff and and they, <laughs> they have some really funny dialogue back and forth about like uh, when you die, you know, you, you shit yourself and it's like, you know, why is that? And it's like, well, everybody dies. Everybody poops. We learn that as kids. Mm-hmm. Cause he, he actually lays Manny down and he's like, what's that? And he's like, that's poop. It's like, what's poop. It's when your body takes what it doesn't need and pushes it out your butt. And you know, it's, it's like kids ask these kinds of questions, but, um, it gets more philosophical obviously throughout the movie. Oh yeah. And he does become more, like you said, more and more of a per- like, Cause he kind of starts like t- when he starts talking, it's like his jaws barely moving, and he's just kind of talking like this. But then he like, uh, it's a, it's a very in- interesting. Once again, I'd like to read if the script mentions it becoming more and more human because he's you know the voice gets because even from the right at first too, I genuinely because Dana Ratcliffe is doing such a weird thing with his voice, I almost couldn't tell if it was actually Daniel Ratcliffe's voice or if they were like dubbing Paul Dano doing a funny mm-hmm. voice since I thought it was like him talking to himself. But then I was like, ah, that would be wasteful. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it was interesting. Like thinking about it, knowing Daniel Radcliffe, cause he has to do like an American accent and has to be like, how do I do an American corpse basically? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's and and over the course of the movie, learn, learn not only learn about life but learn how to speak more fluently learn new vocabulary uh and to me that like very he sells that so well like yeah i think he's underrated as an actor because uh people just know him as harry potter um yeah but i i think he's fantastic and this he said this oh, yeah. is his favorite movie <laughs> that's that's funny that he's done yeah yeah that's that's, that's it's it's yeah he's great <clears throat> it's so funny how much better uk actors are than American actors oh, in general. Yeah. Because I mean, they keep using U- United Kingdom actors for like half the things that are like American actors where they wouldn't even have to change their voice at all. Yep. Uh and like, you know, I mean, the last two Spider-Man, Spider Spider-Man uh <laughs> have both been, you know, UK and they're great. Like uh, you know, Tom and Tom Holland, I wouldn't even I'm not even sure if I knew either one of them was not american until finding out otherwise yeah it's sort of freaky uh, when they're doing press and you find you hear their accent and you're like god damn it another one like yeah <clears throat> exactly and well out of that they were like they, like they're good at the like the dialects where like is is, is uh, peter parker is he from the bronx i always forget what part of new york he's from i think so but some it was either brooklyn or the bronx but someone was like talking there's this have you ever seen the gq speech therapist guy who has videos yeah he was talking about how he was like this is a very good like either brooklyn or the bronx like it's he's like when he's in the deli like ordering a sandwich and like he like takes apart 
how you know the things he says and he's like this is a very good uh accent very good take on it and it's like they put so much more into it than or no, i shouldn't say so much more but like to me that's such another level is to just have to have your voice be completely not your voice for every word you say during something is like that's ridiculous yeah because when the shoe's on the other foot and american actors are trying to do a british accent it's a lot of times it's not so good it's it's it's, it's weird like uh i i watched good although uh david tennant said it was really good but uh, michael mckean in good omens is doing a scottish person yeah uh and it sounds and maybe it's just because i know it's michael mckean so it's weird but everyone said it was good like david tennant who's actually scottish was like he did a great job and i was like I couldn't tell if he really thought that or if he was just being nice. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? He's not like, going to say it like, if it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and I love, and I love Michael McKean. Yeah. Um, he's, he's fantastic, but I was just kind of, it was just a very strange, uh, choice to be like, cause he's like, I don't know. It's a very interesting, I don't Have you seen good omens? I have not. No, okay. I, I know him mostly from Saul and, uh, uh, Okay. What what's the uh Spinal Tap? Do you know have you seen Spinal oh, Tap? Oh, obviously, yeah, Spinal Tap, okay. but I, uh, Laverne and Shirley. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Wow. Uh you're going to watch Clue. He's in Clue. Okay. He's very good in Clue. Um Yeah, I feel like there's other things that I that I'm not thinking of that he's he's also very uh good in. Uh I mean, yeah, all the Christopher Guest stuff and and things like that, but uh yeah. I have some favorite quotes from this that I wanted to okay. go through. Um, well, maybe everyone's a little bit ugly. Yeah, maybe we're all just ugly, dying sacks of shit. And maybe all it'll take is one person to just be okay with that. And then the whole world will be dancing and singing and farting. And everyone will feel a little bit less alone. I just think, you know, it's... That's the kind of thing is, is just like... It, it's a It's a dumb quote, but it's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's very pretty. It's a, there's a similar one where he talks about like <clears throat> where it's like where the where my shit will someday mix with your shit and they'll be all, like everyone in the world's shit will all mix together and all be one sort of thing or says something like that too. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's one where Hank says, uh, maybe that's just something the brain invents to survive. And Manny says, yeah, like maybe your brain invented me to distract you from the fact that eventually your eyes are going to stop blinking and your mouth will stop yeah. chewing and your <laughs> yeah. blood will stop pumping and then you're going to shit yourself and that's it. Yeah. And th- again, that's a sort of clue that like, is, is he real? Yes. You know? yes. And even from the get go, when he was like, uh, he literally is like, maybe you're a hallucination of me starving. Mm-hmm. And that's like, to me, I was like, oh, okay, well then that's what that is probably because they just kind of said that that's what that is. But, but yeah, it, yeah. Like I said, it keeps you guessing when they start out with the, the fart jet skiing, then it's <laughs> like all bets are off when it's like, I don't know what's going, I don't know what the explanation for anything is going to be. Uh, another one. Hank says, uh, people don't like other people's farts. Is that why you don't fart in front of me? I just like to do it alone or hold it in, and that's what you're supposed to do. That's so sad. If my best friend hides his farts from me, what else is he hiding from me? And why does that make me feel so alone? Yeah. Uh, and then the last one I had was, uh, you want to go home so you can love? And Hank says, yeah. Manny says, but you ran away because nobody loves you. And <laughs> Hank says, that's not true. And Manny says, you're broken and empty and dirty and smelly and useless and old. You're like trash, right? yes and that seems like a very that that was another line there where i was like that sounds like such an internal right monologue of just like oh this is just hating on yourself 
you know, and 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 the words yeah. of a depressed suicidal guy. Yeah. Yes. 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 Exactly. But I don't know. It. it, it I don't know. It is interesting because he does because, uh, you know, Manny does save Hank so many times, and I think that's why it was just like I'm not letting you take him because even though he was you know dead or not, dead, I don't know. There's an interesting. And I almost get mad because I'm like, is this, there's times where I'm like, are we reading too much into everything? You know what I mean? Like, right. how much did the directors actually want it to be a metaphor for like, stick with your friends even when it seems like they're gone? You know what I mean? Like, always try and help them no matter what and blah, 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 blah. Is like, were they thinking that or were they just like, surprise, he's not really dead, kind of, and he farts away. Like, I don't know. Right, and, and after reading interviews and seeing, watching videos and stuff, I think that a lot of that was thought out. Like, a lot of that was intentional. It was to okay. be, you know, deeper than um, than what's on the surface. There was, Good. yeah, there was actual thought put into it. But yeah, once again, you know, you do have to suspend your... Uh, disbelief and and realize that we are still watching a farting corpse movie. Um, <laughs> so I have a bunch of uh, trivia I'll, I'll go over, but I want to hear from the uh, Prescribed Film Podcast Network real quick, and we'll be right back. Okay. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Okay, so I have some like half-assed trivia I looked up on IMDb that I always like to go through that I just find interesting. Um, this movie was filmed in only 22 days, which is pretty impressive. That's three weeks, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Dano revealed in an interview that he wanted to be in the movie after hearing a one-sentence uh, synopsis from directors Dan Kwan and Daniel Schneider. Specifically, the director told Dano they wanted to make a movie where the first fart makes you laugh and the last fart makes you cry. <laughs> that's that's a good that's a good pitch. Yeah, I agree. Um, Daniel Radcliffe promoted the movie by touring Los Angeles and New York City with a Manny doll as his companion, attending interviews, fan conventions, and even roller coasters with him next to him. <laughs> Which I just love. He was on. That's fun. Yeah, that That's that Colbert interview. Um, he was talking about this as promo for the, um, movie. There was this line where you could uh sign up for text messages, and Manny would randomly text you questions, <laughs> and he said he was like, uh, doing like a table read for his next project or or something that was very dramatic and serious, and his phone kept going off, and he apologized and, um, stepped out and checked, and it was Manny texting him, um what is sex? What is sex over and over again? he's like, why am I signed up for these text messages? Yeah. Like who signed me up for these? Uh, so stupid, but uh, it's, it's just, I remember seeing the pictures of him, like riding on the top of buses through New York, um, holding the, the, one of the Manny dolls that they, they made for the uh, movie. 
Um, a fake version of Manny was made to be used in most of the film, but Daniel Radcliffe insisted on being in every shot. The dummy was only used in a few shots where the stunts were too dangerous for Radcliffe, but Radcliffe would still throw or toss the dummy, which I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Dano's character is named Hank Thompson, which is a reference to Tom Hanks, who starred in Castaway, that had the same deserted island theme. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't put that together. I, I didn't put, like, Manny and Mannequin together for the longest time. I'm like, what the... Okay. Uh... Oh, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Danny Radcliffe has stated that this is his favorite film of his filmography. Um, I don't know if that still stands true because he's made stuff since he probably said that, but um, due to its, at times, juvenile humor, uh, many audience members walked out of the theater when it filmed was screened at the 2016 Sundance Film Festival. Uh, songs are all acapella and are written and recorded by Andy Hall and Robert McDowell of Manchester Orchestra. And uh, this is one of my favorite facts. Members of the cast and crew contributed Manny's farts, including Paul Daniel. Uh, <laughs> Paul Dano, Daniel Radcliffe claims to have not contributed a fart, but um, that's that's sort of up in the air. Like the, the some people have said some of them are his, but um, on that featurette I was watching, it was they were, the directors were saying that by like the first uh like maybe three or four days in like no one was it took a while to get over like laughing at the farts and then they just yeah. became like a language on set mm-hmm. and they showed some footage of them like shooting and he's they're like off camera making the fart sounds with their mouths uh so that he can react like so uh daniel radcliffe and and paul dano can <laughs> react to them and no one's like everyone's stone-faced and they're doing it with their mouth or their hands and it's just it's so bizarre watching because they're like, it became like set music at a, at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's even a part where uh, the part, I think it's at the beginning when uh, Daniel's uh, or, or Manny's corpse is laying on the ocean and it starts sort of convulsing. And that's when uh, he decides not to hang himself. Um, the, one of the directors is like, it looks like he's conducting an orchestra, but it's, uh, He's he's doing it so that Daniel Radcliffe um, can see him and he's telling him like, OK, little, little, OK, big jump, big jump, big jump and then tone mm-hmm. it down, tone it down. And he's doing it to the music. Like you said, it was written before so that his his sort of farts uh, and, and and the music would would cue up to the body convulsing at certain speeds. And, and uh, I just love the idea that he's like standing off screen conducting like a maestro, but he's using <laughs> farts, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's weird because I've, I remember when this came out and people were talking about it and so many people are like, it's so weird. It's so, and it's, it's really not, I've seen some really weird movies and maybe that's just a testament to what I've seen. Um, I mean, of course, yeah, it's a farting corpse movie that they somehow got Harry Potter to do, but, uh, it's really just a, a movie about a, a, a guy in his mental state and a relationship, you know, yeah. in, his, in his world. Like it's, it's just a, a different way of going about it. But it's, it's it, to me, it's surprised, it surprises me that people would walk out at Sundance because you think that would be the audience. So, yeah, as we uh, get here to wrapping it up, did you have any final thoughts on this movie? Or if you had any final things to say about how much you hate Paul Dano? I mean, did this make you hate him? Any I guess less? I shouldn't say, it's weird when I like, cause like I'll like, it's so weird when I'm like, uh, that I like, I hate Paul Dano. Cause if I, and I mean, I don't think I'll ever be famous, but it would be weird if I ever did. And they're just like, why do you hate Paul Dano so much? And I'm like, oh, I just say that to like eight people. Like, I don't know him as a person. Like, uh, 
Like I used to feel the same way about like I just didn't like Jake Gyllenhaal or, or any of the, either of the Gyllenhaals. I have this weird hatred for sometimes, and I don't really know why. But uh, but yeah, no. I, I like I said, he's very he's good. He's a good actor. It was a very good movie. I was uh, and I totally gave it a like. I I very much like put the I turned the lights down and I made popcorn and and got a Mountain Dew. So I like treated it. As as such of a, a real film, but um, trying to think if there's anything. Oh yeah, I I will say that I was like uh, that very early on, or well, I figured out I was like, of course Mary Elizabeth Winston. When, when I was like, I don't believe that that's his girlfriend. And then later I was like, ha! I knew <laughs> Mary Elizabeth Winstead wouldn't fuck Paul Dano because she fucks Obi Wan Kenobi. And he's way better than him. I don't know if that was true at the back at the time, but uh, yeah, that's what I was was thinking. I was like, yeah, I think you know, uh, Paul Dano doesn't deserve Ramona flowers. I say I think uh, Paul Dano's been with like Zoe Kazaa for several years. They have a kid together. Uh, she's she's like a little indie actress. I'm trying to think of what you might know her from, but. Uh, yeah, he's you know he's he's done well for himself. So you know, <laughs> yeah, not, not quite Ramona Flowers, but uh, yes, yes. Oh, okay. Is uh, was she in the Big Sick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I believe so. Um, yeah, that's exactly who it is, and that's his. Uh, not I don't think they're married, but they've been together for like fifteen years or something. They have a yeah. a, a kid to get a daughter together, and uh, you know I. I can completely understand where you might want to punch him. He sort of has uh, that face where he has like the big cheeks and the little chin and something about him is, is punchable. Um, I think it also depends on the role too, but uh, I have certain actors. I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. If there's anybody that I really, uh, if I see them in a movie, I really want to hurt, but um, <laughs> no, nothing's popping to mind, but is there, is there anything on your list that you want to confess that you haven't seen like in the spirit of first time? Um, cause uh, I, I've had some embarrassing ones on the show that people are just like, I, I've never seen a Lord of the Rings movie. Um, I've never seen a bond movie, but that's going to change, oh, wow. uh, on the next episode, hopefully. So wait, you've never seen any James Bond movies, not, ever. not a single, solitary. not even like golden eye when it came out, because like, I, I wait, probably, how old are you? What are you like in your mid, mid, late thirties, mid thirties, 35. Yeah. And I've never, okay. yeah. And you didn't say because that would have been like prime Goldeneye time, right? Pierce Brosnan, yeah, was was my Bond at the time. Yeah, and, uh, I played the hell out of the N sixty four game. Yeah, sure. Never saw the movie. I think I've seen wow. the the music videos. I've seen every Awesome Powers a million times. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm sure uh, I'll get the jokes once I uh, start watching these movies. But yeah, there's a guy that throws a hat in one of them, just like <laughs> in the Austin Powers movie. Uh, yeah, but uh, I I haven't seen Titanic. Okay, which is apparently a big a big one that most people have seen, and uh, uh, it's about a boat or something, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I know how it ends, you know. So <laughs> it's like, but I I mean, I've seen scenes, but I've never watched that all the way through. Just wait for uh, the sequel. Yeah, yeah, Titanic two. Uh, I yeah, I'm pretty sure it'll that'll happen. It's a, a submarine. It was a submarine the whole time. We actually uh, talked about Titanic on my last episode because uh, the last episode was L.A. Confidential, which I hadn't seen. Ooh, and it's um, a good one. It came out the same year as Titanic. It was nominated for nine Oscars and only won like two of the technical ones because Titanic just fucking won everything. And we, yeah. we, we were sort of arguing over like the rewatchability. It's like 
does that mean that Titanic's better than LA Confidential? How many times have you no. know you've never even seen it? And it's like I saw it, that, in, I saw it in theaters, but I've never intentionally put Titanic in to watch it. But I I would yes. I watch LA Confidential again. So what's that say? You know? Yes. Well, and also, and that that's, that opens a whole another uh, conversation about. I feel like Academy Award winning movies are very much often of that time, like that time right there and then. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so it's a lot of times it makes sense because, you know, it's like when we didn't Forrest Gump win a bunch of them this right. same year, a bunch of other stuff when like, like wasn't Goodfellas up for this for the same time as Forrest Gump and I could be wrong. I forget. But it's, you know, it's one yeah. of those things where, where a lot of times the things that are just like massively po- especially if it like does both good with critics and at the box office that they're kind of right. like, all right, this is, this is right now. But then it's like two or three years later. And then, cause yeah, I like confidential is great. Cause that was early Russell Crowe and, uh, and Guy Pierce. Right. And yep. Spacey and, yep. uh, yeah, like, and, uh, a bunch of, I feel like I'm missing D- some Danny people, DeVito. But- Yes, yes. Mid mid Danny DeVito, right. medium age Danny DeVito. <laughs> yeah, but. so it's it's uh you know, it's just I, I love getting people like to say, you know, and, and people think it's crazy that I I it's been freeing like getting on here because people get excited when they find out I haven't seen a movie. They're like, You and, and I I explain on the show every time it's like uh, especially in film circles, when you admit that you haven't seen something, um, you almost people are almost afraid to say it because of the reaction that you get. Or so people will lie about it. They'll be like, you know, uh, yeah. oh, it's been people. The, the typical things people say is, you know, I haven't seen it. It's been a really long time since I've seen it. Or, um, yeah, I've seen I've seen it in like pieces, but I, I haven't like sat down and watched the whole thing. Yeah. Or you know, they they come up with excuses because they don't want to just flat out say I haven't seen it. Cause, but I, I want to celebrate that. You know, like. I think it's great you haven't seen Titanic. Like that means that um, you know you'll get to experience that for the first time sometime if you want to. Yes. But you know it's it's cool like uh, to introduce. I love introducing movies to people, and I love the opposite of getting introduced to things. So yes, and uh, I I love introducing movies to people that were like that I love, but I like first saw when I was little. So it's like did like I did that with one or two of my friends where I made them watch Monster Squad. Yeah, because like Shane Black is one of my favorite screenwriters, and I, Monster Squad, like I think Monster Squad's better than Goonies, uh, probably. Uh, which because I that's how I always sell it. I'm like it's like Halloween Goonies. Yeah. Um, but um, that's one that like, and I think they usually like it where they watch it and they're like, yeah, that's that's funny. But it's uh, and that's it's so it's interesting to make people watch stuff that's 20 years old just to be like, is this a good film or was I just you know 12 years old was that Uh, yeah is it just nostalgia or is it actually good and and i've revisited some old films um that i loved as a kid just myself like i went back i think and try to watch three ninjas and i'm like this is straight fucking garbage why did i ever enjoy this it's poorly everything everything (laughs) is bad about it not one positive thing it's unreal how bad it is but then things is, like yeah. Monster Squad, you know, ages actually is probably aged like better every time I watch it. I love it. Yeah, so, I, yeah. I, you got me wanting to rewatch Sidekicks now since because I remember I was big into Sidekicks, oh, which is just yeah. a blatant ripoff of Karate Kid. Yeah, uh, but I enjoy it. Was around the same time as Three Ninjas, and I remember like I think, and I remember liking it way better than uh, than Three Ninjas. I think that's Jonathan Brandis in it too. It is. Rest in yeah. peace. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 
Oh, Johnny Brandis. I have that yeah. on VHS because I don't think it's ever been out beyond VHS. It's never made its way to DVD or Blu-ray. Uh, but me and my brother, I have an older brother, and we watched Sidekicks a lot growing up. <laughs> yeah, I did too. I, I yeah, he, I watch. Uh, he was yeah, big into I've karate. He took the taekwondo classes, all that shit, and you know, so we Karate Kid was on repeat and and Sidekicks and. Uh, you know, then later when we got older, it was Bloodsport and the and the Van Damme stuff. So yeah. Uh, but you know, and he watched, of course, Goonies and and Monster Squad, and you know, luckily I had an older brother because I'm a I was born in '85, but um, in our household we we still watched '80s movies going into the '90s, so I didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not same. technically an '80s kid, but I watched a lot of that stuff. So yeah, I, I had the same. I'm the youngest, so like I was when I was very young, I was watching you know, Days of Confused and, and Empire Records and like, a th- you know, because when you're the youngest, like you don't get to control exactly what you're watching. So it's like, I, and then, but you also feel cool for watching, you know, the older, because I watched T2, you know, a hundred times when I was like eight or nine years old, you know, like I sh- an eight year old shouldn't be watching Terminator 2 a bunch of times. Uh, right. Yeah, but I did. Yeah, so. I've I've told I've probably told this story a few times on the show, but um, one of my earliest memories was when my brother had like I think it was a 16th birthday party. He he invited his friends over to the house, and you know he, he was significant. He, he's old enough that like I think he's four years older than me. So mm-hmm. we never even were in like high school together. When he was a senior, I was in eighth grade, and he went to college when I went to high school. But, yeah, um, you you have the exact same uh, difference in yeah. age that than me and my brother. So, yeah, yeah. And, and my sister's in the middle somewhere, which is a whole different discussion. But um, I remember <laughs> he had a 16th birthday party and he invited all of his friends over. And, you know, uh, I, I so desperately wanted to be cool and hang out with the older kids. And uh, I, I'll never forget, they rented Jason Goes to Hell on pay-per-view. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I was like, I was like front and center laying on my back underneath the TV and they were all, you know, hanging out in the back on the couches and drinking Mountain Dew and eating pizza. And it was like the best night of my life. And I just remember like there's like a graphic kill right away than a sex scene. And I'm like, okay, I love horror movies. You know, (laughs) this is like, I should not be watching this. The only, the only time my mom ever had me turn off a movie was silent night, deadly night. When the, when Santa, (laughs) Santa starts raping a woman, she hit stop and was like, your brother can watch this. You can't. And, and yeah. And, she inadvertently <laughs> created an obsession for me. Cause then I was like, yeah, I have to see, this I have now. to, cause they say I can't, that's what my, uh, like my parents mostly just kind of were like done raising kids. <laughs> yep, but exactly. So, how my so for are. the most part, they were just like, what I remember they were like, they wouldn't let me watch married with children. And I was like, and I didn't like it that much. I just was like, had crushes on the girls in them. At least uh, probably, Applegate, but, yeah. but, but they tried tra- watching me, stopping me from watching the Simpsons. And I was like, no, I was like, you could, you know, in the Simpsons, even, even back then the Simpsons was on like three times a day. So I wanted to be like, if you want to put the work in to stop me, you know, four times a day, like, which I know you don't right? like you can try, but I'm going to watch this. Cause this is very, very, or this like, or I remember watching stripes when I was in fourth grade, which stripes opens up with like a shower, like full frontal nudity, <laughs> like shower scene. And my dad is there and he's watching it and he looks at me and he's like, you probably shouldn't be watching this. But then we both just sat there and looked at each other for a second. And then we both just went back to watching it. <laughs> so I was like, all right, this is fine. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I remember staying the night at a friend's house, and uh, his dad was watching Porky's, and I was like, Porky's. If, if my mom knew I was watching this, and, and of course he was like, well, this is, you know, these are high school kids, like, of course, and you guys are in middle school, like, it's not that yeah. big of a deal, and I'm like, this is definitely not appropriate, oh, and especially not deal. appropriate watching it with my friend's dad, but, um, yes. You know, it's like little things like and like my mom was the same way by the third kid. She was like, fuck it. Like, you know, <laughs> yep. uh, the the two other siblings can raise him, you know, and I, yep. I because my sister, I got to watch, you know, I, I watch a lot of 90s uh, like chick flicks. Like I love Clueless, one of my favorite movies. Clueless is great. Yeah. Clueless and, is fantastic. You know, that was her. That was like her thing. And then eventually, you know, when I finally got to hold the remote, that's when I got more into horror and, uh, you know, found my myself and what I liked. But um yeah, it's just been, you know, I somehow missed out on a lot of, uh, you know, no Bond movies, um, no Lord of the Rings. Uh, it's just a lot of early uh, Scorsese stuff. People are surprised I haven't seen. Yeah. Um, so Wait, it, you still haven't seen any Lord of the Rings? I thought you nope, were using that no, as an example. No, no. Wow. I, I know. I will say you don't need to watch any of the Hobbit movies. You can for <laughs> sure not watch any of the Hobbit movies, but you should watch the, the, the original trilogy. I remember it's very good. Yeah, my brother brought my brother brought them home from college uh, on DVD and he's like you got to see these and we started watching the first one. It was like Christmas break mm-hmm. and I fell asleep and we tried again on the next day and I fell asleep again and um, I haven't come back, but I am okay. not I'm not I'm not saying that it was because they're boring. It's because I was probably um, a shithead high schooler that stayed up way too late doing other things and, and just mm-hmm. had other things going on and, and just, you know, was falling asleep like an idiot. But I, I it's been quite a while since I've even tried and I'm, I'm open to letting someone, you know, who, who's find a huge uh, Lord of the Rings nerd that wants to school me and educate me on this show. If, if you're out there and want to, uh, you know, show me the ropes, let me know. I'm, I'm still down to watch them. That's, yeah, what, that's I mean, what's great about it, you know? Yeah. No, I'm, I definitely would be up for, if you ever want to have me back, I, I've seen a lot of movies. I guess I haven't seen some, but uh, yeah, I've seen, and, and I'd love to just talk to you about, I don't know a ton of horror movies, but I also like really, I'm kind of, I don't want to say a snob, but like some dialogue in dialogue. And I think that's my biggest problem with dialogue in horror movies is like, it neither it for it neither needs to be really good or really bad for me to like it. Which yeah. thankfully there are some of those, but a lot of them it's like in the middle where it's not bad enough to be ironic good, but it's not mm-hmm. good, and it's just like especially when the premise is good. That's the worst to me is when there's so many horror movies where the premise is so interesting. Yeah, wasted but the follow through. Yeah, the follow through is just so bad. So. Yeah, but that's the things that we should be remaking like horror movies. You know, they're remaking all kinds of shit. They're remaking good movies like we need to remake movies that had a great concept, but bad execution. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, like when John Carpenter remade the thing, right? Like, that's fantastic. Now they don't need to. I mean, they did this. I never saw the prequel with Mary Liz Winstead. So uh, uh, call back to right. her. It ties, and, ties right. it into the episode. But yeah. I, I heard that was okay. Did yeah. you, was that good? I thought it yeah. was. Yeah, I thought it was fun because it it you know ties itself and they they went back and CGI'd over the physical the practical effects, which was a really dumb decision. But um, I think it's actually worth a watch. It's not it's not as bad as a lot of people make it out to be. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to give it a, a look here. But, but yeah, where where can people um, find you, find your uh, sea dogs or, or anything you've worked on? Um, 
the, the floor uh, is yours to let people know. Cool. I would, uh, yeah, if you, Sea Dogs is on YouTube. Uh, so if you just type in Sea Dogs, Sea like the ocean, dogs like, like dogs. Dog. Uh, and then if you <laughs> type in Spencer after it, then like the first result should be my cartoon. It'll have a bunch of, of animated dogs looking in the camera being like, huh? I'll, um, I'll, I'll link it the in the show notes too. Oh, cool. Um, and we, we might make one a long, like a longer, ep- an actual episode, because this was more of a proof of concept than it was an actual, um, you know, because it's, you know, animation takes a while and is expensive. Yeah. So that's why it's only five minutes, because uh, if, if everything else was, you know, uh, if it was easier and took less time and money, uh, then it would probably, you know, I want to make like a 20 minute thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we still might make one that's like 11 to 15 minutes here. Um, but yeah, you can go see that. You can, uh, I guess, you know, I've got Instagram and Twitter, which I think both are just my name. Although I think, wait, I've changed my Twitter. My, I mean, you can just type Spencer Laux, but I'm, I think my, uh, this is very of the moment. I think my Twitter <laughs> handle is like half vaxxed midnight or something like that. <laughs> yeah, half vaxxed midnight. Uh, but at Spencer Laux, um, follow me on there. And same thing for, uh instagram i sometimes will get in meme modes while i'll post a bunch of memes and i'll start doing more comedy here lately too and i don't know hopefully uh do more filmmaking and and acting and stuff like that because because i i like that i'm about to be in a bank commercial too so yeah it uh in bank a bank iowa commercial so watch out for me on there no it was a lot of fun actually i really love doing those sort of uh things where where you they just let me be silly and they're just like just say these words and be silly and i'm like great like that's the (laughs) it's the it's the funnest thing that's not that hard to do if you're kind of entertaining and and uh and they give you a free panera for lunch and uh nice uh it's great it's great yeah yeah that's what's fun about uh, one of the many fun things um about running a festival is that i see like every local commercial or at least even in the state of iowa or midwest in general (laughs) it's like hey i recognize that person that person and that person from this short this short and this short (laughs) and uh it's just a it's a cool community like people don't don't think about how uh you know iowa is a hub for filmmaking and comedy and and creatives but especially des moines iowa city i mean you know i know so many people who uh, came out of of uh, University of Iowa and and went there for film. Um, oh, you know, yeah. and are, are out and, there creating things and doing stuff. Yeah. It's awesome. And, and there's a and there's a handful of uh, like it's funny because it's it's like not a ton of stuff gets made here, but there are like I feel like like half of like the bigger stuff that gets made are like there's like two or three film crews that get like. 80 percent of the work because they're good right and uh and it's like people and they're all people or a lot of people that i know and they're like so sometimes i'll be like there's been once or twice where i'll end up on a commercial or on an indie film and i'll be like oh hey it's john hey john like john i know john john's the sound guy um things like that it's just really it's it's funny yeah, it, it's it's great to have that sort of community here, and and hopefully, like you said, hopefully you'll have something soon to to come back to uh, SNAF. But um, yeah, once you get yes, doing, yes, I some, would love to. One, once you get doing some uh, some more stand up and stuff, we'd love to come up Iowa City and see you. Um, yeah. But but thanks so much for being on here and and putting up with Paul Dano for an hour and a half oh, yeah. and, and a, a dumb fart movie. But I thought you know when you said you weren't a huge fan of his, I thought well this one might 
steer him in the other way. I'm not trying to um, change your mind on him, but I think uh, this one is a superb performance by him. It's, it's good. Yeah. It, I can't argue fun. with a good, a good film's a good film. I can't argue with that. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. A special thank you goes out to my friend Scott Schreiner for our intro and outro music. We'll see you next week on First Time Podcast. <laughs>